1: We're excited today to interview two small business owners who have a unique and interesting story. A story that should show all of us that it doesn't matter where you come from, how old you are, that we can all decide to take a chance and build something. I have with me today, Marsha Marsh, owner of Marsha Marsh Real Estate Services, and her business partner, broker, and son, Laban Marsh. Welcome to the CoLab Podcast, you two. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, First, I would uh, really love to ask, Marsha, can you tell us a little bit about the Marsha Marsh name?
2: (laughs) Oh, yes. That started years ago. And I met Greg in fourth grade. Everybody said you should marry Greg Marsh because your name would be Marsha Marsh. (laughs) And uh, everybody told Greg that. We didn't like each other in fourth grade, but ended up after college, we liked each other and got married and I became Marsha Marsh. Wow! So the four, it goes all the way back to the fourth, fourth grade. grade and I'm sixty nine,
0: <laughs> and, and I was going to say, Andre, last night you were at our house with our ten year old who's in fourth grade talking about a girl. So I wonder if, if that's what happens. That is <laughs> that, what happens.
1: That so is what out. happens. So before starting a bu- uh, business, before building a business, what what did your life look like?
2: Well, before wor- being a
1: business owner,
2: I worked in a dental office. Law- office when I was in ninth grade and continued to hygiene school. And then when I got out, I worked, then I got married and had four children. So I wasn't working outside the home Mm -hmm. and decided to go back to work, which I did for about 12 years. The problem was, as the boys got older and we wanted to move and go to their football games, basketball games, go with them. My job restricted me from doing that. So I thought I'd get a another job that allowed me more freedom. And my husband said, well, why don't you sell real estate? Your mother did. So I got my real estate license. And then I was enjoying it so much that I decided to quit the dental office and go into real estate
1: full time. And so going into real estate or um, becoming a realtor is really building your own business. Was there a specific trigger that made that happen?
2: I wanted more money. More money. More freedom.
1: More money and more freedom.
2: And I wanted to be my own boss, (laughs) which I I was really, nobody really bossed me around, (laughs) but I wanted to be my own boss to be able to decide what I made. I had, when I would be interviewed or they'd do your review and it wasn't maybe (laughs) glowing or they criticized me, it's like, that's not true. Yeah. I can do this myself. So I did. And what about for you, Laban?
3: So I was actually in college playing football uh, when my mother was unable to leave work early to come visit. And that was kind of the trigger for her to say, I'm going to do it my way. And uh, I actually started college thinking I would be uh, a dentist like my uncle and uh, decided shortly after the first semester that I probably should turn more to psychology and uh, the focus on sports psychology. And I realized in sales, and as I left college and even pursued some master's, most educators said that psychology is a great minor to have, you know, with almost any business mm-hmm. uh, degree. And so psychology is what I focused on. And then uh, once I graduated, I had worked in the state of Connecticut for a commercial roofing company, and I learned a lot about business. In fact, the two guys I worked for, they were brothers who told me that the first home I should buy was a duplex and explained that you can have somebody paying part of your mortgage while you live there. And so that for me was the trigger while I worked in Connecticut and just graduated. And my mother was back in Erie selling real estate. And so uh, that kind of made me realize that, hey, my mother's in real estate back home and living in Connecticut in 2002, I was looking for a duplex and couldn't find anything under 250000 Wow. So to come back to Erie and be able to find duplexes for under 100000 that could cash flow positively um, made moving back home much more intriguing. And at the time, she was just a sales associate for a local broker. Uh, obviously, we didn't have our own business at the time. Um, but I enjoyed the idea of owning my own business. And so... After hearing what the brothers in Connecticut were telling me about real estate, knowing my mom was licensed back home, it had me beginning to look at educate myself on what it would be to operate a real estate company. Okay,
0: and I, you know, something I just want to share with the listeners, um, Andre, is for you know, Marsha said she decided to go and sell real estate. When you sell real estate, it's one of those jobs that is you are running a business. You actually become self-employed if you did not know that. It is not a W-2 job. It is 1099. And so you you do become self-employed when you... But your options are you can work for a big company that you... Like a cobble Banker is national, which is where you know she worked. But there's also the... And we can ask these guys what you call it. Then there's companies that are individually owned, which is what we're going to get into. But it's a great job to start and you can do it part time. Marsha, would you say that's something people can do
2: part time at first instead of making a complete leap? Would you say? Oh, definitely. When agents come, when people want to get their real estate license and come with us, they say, Do I have to quit my day job? And I tell them, Don't quit your day job um, because you have to have income. If you're not getting income every couple weeks, you're not going to get it with the real estate because you have to sell wait for it to close and then you get your check. So in that amount of time, you know you need to get have money coming in. And if they don't, they chase the commission and that makes it really not good for the buyers, sellers, and yourself.
3: But in fairness, having worked with her for almost, well, 15 years, anybody that is serious and really wants to be successful in real estate, she will tell you that you need to focus on it full time. Not to say that you can't, have another job or do other things. But sometimes your job actually provides more opportunity to sell real estate than you realize. You just don't ask for the business. And so we try to encourage people who are working another job uh, or doing another business to leverage your real estate and your connections and to build off of whatever business it is you're running because oftentimes they can go hand in hand uh, to the point where we've built other businesses
1: It's one of the biggest fears of people going into any type of sales position or commission-only position is it's commission-only. So normally people have one foot in a full-time job and then one foot in the sales role. Did you guys have any fears about starting your own business? What did that feel like when you thought about going off on your own or going commission-only? Or even when you were going to open up your own business and you thought, Okay, well, we're going to have to depend on ourselves and bet on ourselves. Did you have any
2: fears? We were coaching when we were in real estate with a larger company. Mm. And so when we went to the company, to the coaching meeting, they looked at our information on what we were making and they said, you know, you're giving all this money to the broker. Yeah. Why don't you? And it's like, I didn't understand (laughs) that from a business perspective. The boys are the business mind. I'm more of a sales mind. Mm -hmm. And so at the coaching meeting, we talked and they said, listen, You've got the perfect team. Laban is entrepreneurial and you know, very strong with you know what he's wanting to do, you know, owning properties and owning his own business. Levi, the other son that was with me, he said he's very tight with the buck, so he's careful with his money. Marsha, you he squeaks are, when he walks. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Marcia, you are a good salesperson. You know, people trust you. You have worked in a dental office at the front desk so people knew you know, talk to me about their money. Um, He said, you need to open your own business because you've got every leg of the business. And so from a fear perspective, I really was more fearful of staying where I was and being unhappy than I was leaving. And so from a fear perspective, I don't think any of us had any fear about changing
3: well and and i would credit the the coaching aspect because what happened was anytime we'd go to these coaching events they'd ask us to bring our pnl balance sheet which we didn't have at the time um and then just our revenue gross commission income and i've said this to agents within our office who have openly and transparently talked to me about starting their own business and i would encourage anyone listening to do this we in 2005 we looked at our total revenue was a little over six hundred thousand between Levi, myself, and my mother, and so that's total revenue. And mm-hmm. then we knew what our take home was. My mom was around two twenty, I was about eighty, and Levi was about sixty. So that ended up being about three hundred sixty thousand out of six hundred. So the question from our coaches was, "Can you run a business in Erie on two hundred and forty thousand dollars annually?" And I'm like, "Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no <laughs> brainer, that? yeah." yeah. Um, and at one point we had an agent that left our office and started his own. And I know that he came in bringing, you know, brought in 120,000 and the way we compensate, he took home 90. So my question to him was, can you run a business on 30,000? If you want to maintain the lifestyle you're accustomed to mm-hmm. we can make the same amount. Um, and he's been able to do that. And so it just depends. You need to know your business, know your numbers mm-hmm. to know whether or not how fearful you should be. Yeah. So to know that if we kept our sales up and stayed in contact with people and just changed our name, uh, the umbrella to which we work under, we've always taught people you have to be running your own business as an agent. Um, And so we said, yeah, we just have to tighten our belt uh, to do that. And what was nice is that it wasn't we wanted to start our own business. We needed to because at the time we had just moved from Coldwell Banker to Prudential to fill in their residential gap. And that broker said, Hey, I'm just closing down Prudential altogether, both commercially and the residential side. And so it became a need for us to open our own brokerage because we weren't going to go back to Coal Banker. we didn't want to go to any other brokerage. And I had enough credentials to pursue my broker's license and open up within a short period of time. So that's, so it it took the fear out when we absolutely had to do it. You, You just, you know, when a need or a want becomes a need, it makes it a lot easier to decision.
1: Yeah, and and I'm also hearing a really big theme that you were surrounded by a lot of the right, pe- surrounded by a lot of the right people. Right, the yeah. coaches, yes. each yeah. other,
3: and and biblically, you know, the proverbs tell us to seek advisors, and we still do that with large purchases, acquisitions. You know, I reach out to my accountant, to my financial advisor, yeah. people who we've always looked to, even before we decided to start a business. And the last thing I would say that the coaches, first of all, said, well, in your market, does it make more sense to rent or to buy? And knowing that I started more so as an investor than even a licensed agent, I knew that if we're going to own a brokerage and sell real estate, we need to believe in it in such a way that Mm -hmm. we need to own our own buildings. And in hindsight, that's what provided equity, the ability for banks to say, okay, yeah, we'll offer you a line of credit because you own a building and you've built equity in that. And so not every business can go out and buy their building before Mm -hmm. they open their business. But when you're in real estate, it's a good idea to practice what you preach.
0: One of the things that I just wanted to ask Marsha real quick, because you had said at some point in that whole conversation that... I think before you had gone to Prudential, it sounded like you said you weren't nervous or you weren't scared about doing something because you were unhappy where you're at. And I think there are a lot of people who are unhappy in jobs. They're unhappy where they are, but they're still scared, right? Maybe they don't have a lot of people around them. And so for people who, and that was one of the main reasons we wanted to have you guys here is, you know, Marcia, you started doing, how old were you when you jumped into real estate?
2: Oh, 25 years ago and I'm 69 so you <laughs> yeah. do the math <laughs> 44 uh, yeah 40, and um 44 yeah. was the start of your journey right when i Wait, got my no, license. license when i got my license in 1998 and um and there was some yeah there was some fear uh when i left my job that i got income every week to go to a commissioned but i position myself so I had enough coming in that I knew when I left I could continue that. You know, you have to be, you have to have somebody working with you. When people talk to me about Marsh & Marsh Real Estate Services, they think it's all me and they say, oh, you've done great. This is great. I could not have done it by myself. The boys were the impetus for me to do that because I was great at what I did in my opinion. And the boys were good at what they did. But if you ask me business questions and money questions and things that pertain to our business, that's not my area of expertise. That's where Laban and Levi come in. Uh, we were looking at buying a building and we had an executive meeting. We all sat there, the four of us and my husband. And we were going on and on, actually getting quite heated. Um, I started crying. The boys, I don't think they were cry- crying, but they could have. And then Greg said, okay, we're done. We're going to pray and end. And so we did. And I called Coach Ken when we were done. And I said, this was such a terrible meeting. Everybody was yelling and raising their voice. And Ken said, Marsha, did you leave under agreement? And I said, yes, we all agreed to disagree. And he laughed. He said, but you all agreed that you were, you know, what was going on? And I said, yes. And he said, then it doesn't matter how it came about. He said, read the book. Um, the five something of a team. He said, you have to, yeah, this is, yes. And he said, you have to have trust. The bottom line is trust. So with our family and with our um, team, we trust each other. We don't always agree and we agree to disagree. But the best thing about having our own business is, it's what we decide. We don't have to go to someone outside of the company you know to approve of what we're doing. Yeah, and that the coming from two
3: corporate entities to having our own say. It and we opened was January of 08. so ten years after she was licensed. Uh, you know, we opened our business, but we opened in January, and in Erie we have snow. But the idea for our signs was a white sign with a gray star and navy blue lettering. As soon as we put the sign out, it disappeared into the snow. Mm. And so I called the oh family like, God. "Hey, listen, just like in sports." We need home jerseys and away jerseys because in the winter, we can need to go with a navy blue background, mm. white lettering and a gray star. Boom. We send it out. It gets done. I don't have to call corporate. I don't have to you know, get approval. Yeah. As long as mom, dad, and Levi agree, let's run with it. And what's interesting is now, we only buy blue signs because people like that look of a sign. And so, uh, potential mistakes, you just find the solution um, and that's another thing I would say for business. If anybody ever comes in to our office with a complaint, they need to come with two solutions or turn around and walk out. Um, and so I'm hearing that, uh, having
1: a group of owners collaborating together is really important for you, um, to have three of you and you're able to call your own shots, which is really nice. Um, did either of you have mentors that helped you, uh, when making the decision to open up a business, especially for you, Marcia? Cause I know I talked to this, uh, with Megan a lot, uh, us being minorities, you know, uh, women or Hispanic. Um, did you have any influencers or any role models that you could go to or any mentors that you could specifically go to when you started opening up the business?
2: Not accepted my coaching group because when I went to a couple agents when I was going to get my license in 1998, agents said, oh, you don't want to get your license. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so many agents, Mm -hmm. you don't want to get your license. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, I do. My mother sold real (laughs) estate. There was one page for a real estate contract. Now there's 14. And which it's is like you know and that's part Marcia too
0: like Andre and I do talk about this like you said no I really didn't and for me same thing like I do not have any women except for you and there's a couple other women who are your age now that I have who I have a great right. relationship with but here in the he- I'm about the age that you were when you were deciding to do this and there was there was nobody like and right. and that's something as women in minorities why we need to have these conversations and highlight people who are doing what you did and what I've done and what Andre's done because there's not enough people encouraging and giving tips and advice and telling their stories. And so, you know, that's why it's so important for us to have our listeners hear your story and how you had the support from others.
2: And I've had people from the high schools and bring girls in and they'll say would you talk to this girl one of the girls that came in about a year ago was before the pandemic so it was kind of an issue for her anyway but and she was deaf and so she said and she could speak very well and but being deaf she knew that it would be a problem if she sold real estate but that was her passion she really wanted to sell real estate so the teacher that brought her in said would this be a good venue for her and it's like yes but if it isn't, you can change, you know, I would try it and see, you know, how it works for you. And she was a mother of two, single mother of two, and she was deaf. So she had a lot of, you know, things going against her, but we talked for a long time. I gave her a book that I wanted her to read from a single mother that had um, been in our coaching group, wrote a book about her real estate experience. And so, but, if you get discouraged, and I do, um, and the boys know how I am emotionally, and so you have to be able to call someone and say, oh, I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. How can I deal with this? Um, and and I do. I have enough people not right close to me, but I can call them, email them, and then they'll give me a word of encouragement. I try to do that to people that come in our office as well. Yeah.
3: In regards to my mother having mentors, I think in part, it's kind of like Lucas and I have always said the greatest thing in life is telling thing tell you, sorry the greatest thing in life is doing things others tell you you cannot, and so for Damn. all these people to say oh you can't or you know you're beyond the age of of getting into a different career, um, and so we've always kind of liked to do things that others tell you you can't. But the other thing we realize and what I'm always perplexed that is my mom would let anyone ride in the front seat, which takes a bit of daring in and of itself. But just to listen to what she says, what she does, Levi and I both did that. Lucas did that to learn how it's done. But what we realized, and this is true with our business and why we are so transparent, you could provide society every bit of information from start to finish of how you run your business. And about three to 5% of people will actually do something with it. And so we said, if there's somebody that's a agent that comes on board and commits to us, we'll share everything. I'll show you my P&L. I'll show you our balance sheet. I'll show you how we got there. Not because we're bragging about it or anything else, but nobody showed us yeah. where we were. And I'd love to know. Whether it's because I wanted to run my own business or just learn how you do it, my personality was such that I want to understand it. And then to find out that, okay, only 3% of people will take whatever you give them and actually run with it. So I'm not nervous. I'll give you every bit of yeah. information. And listen, we've had two or three agents that are top agents that came in and have moved along. And what's interesting is we still see them using things that we taught them in how they do business, which is almost more endearing. Um, And yet, that's okay. We just mind our own business and keep doing what we're doing. But why recreate the wheel? Uh, And that's why I coach the pole vault with what I believe is the greatest pole vault coach in the country. I want to be around the people who I think are going to make me better. And so my mother and all of us have always been open to work with whomever and tell them what we know. We don't know everything, but we're pretty confident that we're doing a lot of things right.
0: And that's why I think it's so neat that we have things like podcasts like this. So people can hear stories. They can be encouraged. They can understand that things are possible. And a couple questions for anyone listening uh, is, you know, Marcia, would would you do this all over again? And would you encourage someone listening to start a business if they're, a mom, right? Like I think a lot of moms, yes. or if they're later in life, you know, would you encourage them? Would you do this again? And would you encourage them and why?
2: Yes, I would encourage them because I know that it takes work, but it's worth the work. But you, you know, I didn't have four small children when I started. So I look at the challenges of some of the small children and mothers and families and, you know, the income isn't consistent sometimes. So you have to, be consistent. You also have to have a partner that is supportive. And my husband was wonderful and still is to this day. He helps me put signs up and do other kind of gopher things that I need, but he never once said, why aren't you home? Why don't I have dinner made? Why isn't this, you know, you're neglecting me. He never did that. I mean, maybe he didn't want me in the house. That could have been it. I drove him nuts. But uh, we've been married almost 50 years. We have four wonderful boys, four daughter-in-laws, 12 grandchildren that we love and take care of. And I would tell anyone, I don't care if I'm 69, if I'm not happy, I'm going to change. Because you have to be happy. Life is short, and enjoy what you're doing. But if you don't have someone you're working with, or you can um, be supportive with and bounce things off, it's going to be difficult. If you think you're a one man show, doesn't work, you know, and that's the problem.
0: No, and I agree from what you just said, and I think that is a, an issue that possibly some women have is they don't have the support at home, and we're also tied in these traditional roles of being the primary. You know, caregivers of children. So you having someone, and I also have someone who's very supportive of, you know, the role of owning a business. Not always being home at you know four o'clock or five o'clock. Never, not always. <laughs> <And>, Who <well, laughs> and you know, we share that role. I couldn't do what I do. I couldn't try the things that that build me up and energize me. So you know. That is why it's so important, once again, for, you know, women, minorities to align themselves with the right people who lift up no matter who it is, but especially those of us who, you know, need to break free from what our parents maybe did, because we might be the first person starting a business, or we might be doing it like you did later on in life when other people are like, you're nuts.
2: Well, I have an age We have new agents. When the new agents come in, they always call me and every question is fear filled. And mm-hmm. it's amazing because, um, they list a property. Then they say, I listed it for this price point, but you think that's enough? You think that's too high? You think that's too low? It's like you have to go in confident. And I guess from a uh, young girl, I was confident. Um, in myself and in my skills not overconfident i didn't think too highly of myself but you have to be confident or you can't move forward um and okay. even when greg and i got married and honestly i knew what he was like he knew what i was like we both appreciated our skills and supported each other through the you know for the 40 plus years of marriage. And if you don't have that, and some of the agents we have worked with don't, their husbands say, you know, I want dinner at 5.30 or, you know, where are you? I've come in at 11.30 and Greg's in bed and I go to bed and he doesn't say, where were you? I mean, he trusts me, he knows what I'm doing. So that is important because you are, your time is not your own, but you have to learn how to, you know, work through those things, those schedules.
0: And how about not only do you sell real estate, but you're also pretty involved in the local community that you live in and organizations, which I think is going to help other people see you in those positions. Can you just share a few of the organizations that you're involved in, Marsha? And Mm -hmm. well, Laban, I know you're involved
2: in some. Yes, I've been on the United Way board. I was chairperson of the Chamber and Growth Partnership. I'm on the City Mission board. So I'm with a lot of community influencers that influence me. I hope that I can influence others through that as well. And the support that I get through and the trust that I get through those organizations have helped me move forward. The boys um, have always been very benevolent with the community. So when they ask us for support for whatever it might be, we've always been good to financially support them or give them our time and attention. So I think the most important thing is to be seen by the community so that you can assist in what's going on throughout the community. When the you know, when they started doing the downtown project, when Chuck Buki came in and met with us at the chamber board, he came over to me and said, Whispered, Why are you the only woman here? Wow. And I said, Well, I'm Chamber chairperson and Barb Chafee at the time was the um, CEO of the chamber. And he said, There's no women here. There were 20 some people, no women. Why do you think that is? And I I just want to
0: ask you this because I had my own experience as being the only woman and I even invited a woman. So I'd like to know why
2: you think that is. I I think because I had four boys and a husband and a great dad, and I learned to live with men. If you want to be the voice that everybody hears as a woman, I don't think that's necessarily where I wanted to be. I wanted to be respected by the men in the organizations I worked with, but I didn't want to be above them. And most of the women that I worked with on those committees were the same way. So if I was trying to push my way into those committees as a woman, I don't think it necessarily would have worked. But some women are fearful to get involved in projects like that because they are a woman, and maybe in their family situation, they were never pushed to move forward. I mean, I have four granddaughters, and I have eight grandsons. Now, and Kenzie will always say to me, Grandma, don't say that, but I'd say it's much easier to, you know, raise the boys than it is the girls, and we laugh, but it it's just girls in our world don't have the voice that they are having now. So I'm glad to see that my four granddaughters have a voice of their own and do their own thing. Um, And I think coming forward in the year 2021 and 22, we're going to see more women at the forefront and they need to have the respect of men and of their husband and of their dads or their significant other that's what motivates them to move forward. But if they're fearful about those things and don't feel comfortable in their own skin, it's going to be difficult.
0: And it sounds like you need to ask for what you want. If you want to be on a board, you need to go to the board and say, do you have openings? I'd like to fill one of your seats one day.
3: Yes. And so I know you had asked me, although you may not care much, uh, but no, (laughs) real estate...
0: women can take over.
3: Real estate specifically... Um, I actually had a client in the township that we had just moved to, a client that was moving out of the township and I knew he served on the planning commission. And so I knew the rules that once you move out of the township, you can no longer serve. And so I reached out to a supervisor and I said, I'm selling this gentleman's property. I know he has to come off the planning commission. Is there any way I could join the planning commission? And the supervisor at the time actually said to me, he says, you know what? We actually have an opening on the sewer authority. And the sewer authority, if you're going to develop anything, you need a sewer permit before you go to even planning commission. And so as a real estate broker, wow. I think it's better if you serve on the Summit Township sewer authority instead of the planning commission. And so I did that. I've been serving on that board for nine years, which led me to an economic development uh, board that I was asked to be on a year ago, in part because it, it uh, functions to serve the sewer authority. But when you're in real estate, if you don't know about well and septic or public sewer and and the functionality of that. And then for me, I know what's going on in the township. As a broker, I have a fiduciary Mm -hmm. responsibility to the community, our clients, to know what's going on. And we have 38 different municipalities in our county, which all have different rules. And so it's my responsibility to understand that in all these other, you know, municipalities that we serve. And so I would recommend brokers, agents to try to get on these boards, the water authority, the sewer authority, the planning commission. There's so many that real estate has a direct tie to. Yeah. Uh, the assessment board. I mean, all these different things that you can get involved with, A first and foremost, to serve. And if I ever write a book, it'll be serve first, eat last. <laughs> Thank you for that, that yeah, Laban. <laughs> yes. Look for we'll, that book We'll look out for it.
2: 20, <laughs> He's not afraid to do that.
3: But get involved. And get involved with the right purpose to serve, right? And that's why I say serve for eat eat last. I'm not looking for business. Like, I'm not getting on this committee so I can get business from all of them. I need to earn that. And to earn that, I need to understand where they're coming from, build that rapport, earn that respect. And like Earl Nightingale, everybody's sitting in front of a stove waiting to get heat, and they haven't even put wood in the stove, right? You got to put the effort out first before you can reap any benefits. And the other thing is don't worry about where the reciprocity comes from. If you put it out, I coach the pole vault. I volunteer, I don't get paid a nickel. I love spending time with the kids and the event. And I know that doing that brings back that good aura to me and what I'm doing out in the universe because I'm serving other people without expecting anything back. And yet I know the Lord tells us it'll all come back to whatever you give out. and so. That's what we try to do is is being servant leaders, uh, as Dave Ramsey would say. And so th- that's what we're trying to do.
0: And, you know, as we kind of wrap the episode up, you know, you just talked about it will come back to you. And you had shared earlier in the episode that when you started coaching, which for everyone listening is the first step in our Collab Crush It Roadmap, which is always starting with coaching. But, you know, could you share with anyone listening where you are now with your company from where you were when you started coaching and you were bringing in 600,000.
3: You want to take that? No, oh, no. you don't know the numbers. Oh. That's that's the beauty. <laughs> uh, so when we started in 08, um, and, and what we've always done, we're now in our 13th year, 14th, 13th, something like that. Um, but we've looked at our revenue. And again, we present this to our entire company at the end of the year. And our first year, we had a total revenue of 800000 And it grew each year just gradually with adding agents or whatever it may be. And we now uh, generate about a little over $3 million in total revenue. We also wow. do 750000 in property management um, for people. And so it's, it's grown a substantial amount. But part of that was we opened in '08. We opened two branch offices in twenty twelve. We opened uh, another branch office in twenty fifteen and so we have four locations and even when it comes to buildings in Erie, the cost of our mortgage in some of these buildings is what you would pay for a billboard mm. and so I'd rather own the building, be able to use the functionality, all the tax write-offs, all these things, yeah, and you still get to have your sign out front and pay less than you would for somebody that's going to you know rent your building. A billboard.
0: And do you know the percentage of bill of uh, businesses that ever hit seven figures? Four percent, four percent of businesses ever hit seven figures. So, you, you know, well, and you guys should be proud of yourself, what you've done, you know, for your namesake, Marsha. Um, it, you know, it's a big accomplishment and to show what you guys have done. That was why we wanted people to hear what you have accomplished and how you did it so that other people who are not happy can start. Um, And that would be my last question for Marsha is what would be the number one first step? Like just one thing that somebody could do because like you said, people are fear driven. If they're listening and let's say they work somewhere, but they want to start a a side hustle somewhere or they want to, maybe they are a real estate agent, for example, and they would like to one day own their own company. Just what's one thing they could go do just start moving in that direction.
2: Well, I think talk to someone. Talk to somebody that knows, that's influential. N- don't talk to a friend, because oftentimes friends don't want you to make more money than they're making. <laughs> so they would truth. And they would really say, Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. You need to talk to somebody positive. I mean, I've had a lot of people call me, not that I'm always positive, but they'll call me to get my opinion and I take them to lunch or I take them to dinner. And people say, Why do you do that waste your time it's like not a waste of my time people put their hair down talk to you on a real personal level when mm. you're eating and then they can talk to you they feel like you listen and you care and then sometimes I never hear from them again they never do it but sometimes I follow up with them and they'll say you know I I know I just didn't have the energy I didn't have the money it, it's not expensive real estate is the least expensive own your own business I think. Don't you think you know to yeah, that you could do is sell real estate? Now, you may not be interested, but if you like people and love homes, don't get into real estate because we (laughs) laugh about that. People say, Oh, I love homes and I love, you know, um, it's like, no, so true. It's not necessarily going to be that way. But I've had a lot of people call, I've loved real estate for my whole life. Now I'm going to get my license. And then they get in and they say, uh, and they sit in my car and they ride with me for a week and they will say, this is it? When do you get paid? It's like, well, this is when I get paid, when I sell a house. Well, how often a month? Well, could sometimes I get paid once a month. Sometimes I get paid 10 times a month. Oh, I don't think I want to do that. So when they really understand it, that may it's not be business. what they want. Mm-hmm. Yes, but talk to someone who you trust that may not be close to you.
3: But if if you reach out to somebody and they're not willing to talk to you about their business, yeah. Yeah. they are not that good at their business. And the reason they don't want to share it is because it's not what they hype it up to be a lot of time. And mm-hmm. my wife often would criticize when I was very transparent about either our portfolio or the business's portfolio. And it wasn't Anything but to say, "Hey, look, it, we can, you can do it right here in Erie. Here's our portfolio. You can drive by any one of them. I'll even give you the contact to call the tenant and ask them how we treat them. I mean, so it's a playbook for somebody. And again, anybody who I've ever reached out to to ask to share the, their success, they do it happily. And yeah. somebody who doesn't doesn't for a reason. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, and I think that comes down to either someone who doesn't have the, the growth mindset and they don't want to share because they're like hoarding or it could also be in the case that you just mentioned, you know, it's always been hard for me being raised. You don't talk about money. And, but I think that's part of the whole mentoring process is we need to talk about money. We need to talk about right. what's possible because these are the types of careers that you guys have, that we have in our, you know, in our company. There is no ceiling. Nobody's telling you what your raise is. Nobody's, you know, you work hard and you get rewarded. And so, you know, we appreciate you guys coming on, sharing your story, how you started a business, you know, left a nine to five um, and all of that. And where can people just look your business up if they're not from this part of the state, the country, where can they find you? Marsha, maybe somebody listening would love to reach out to you Marcia. and just ask your a question.
3: A domain name, www.marshamarsh.com, M-A-R-S-H-A, M-A-R-S-H. It is not Marsh and Marsh. It's Marsha Marsh. That's her real name.
0: Like the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah.
3: The Brady's. We actually mm-hmm. listed and sold the cleaning lady for that shows how she once resided in Erie. <laughs> That's the truth. Awesome. Well,
0: we will have this information in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in today to the CoLab podcast and um, make sure if you have any questions about the episode or any information that we've gone over, you can reach out to us. At hello at the colab life.com, or you can email us as well. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, social, all the social media channels, and we will be back next week with another episode. And if you have anybody that you think would be a great person to interview for a story, just like Marsha and Laban, we would love to hear who you are nominating to have us interview here on the Colab. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having us. Bye guys.
0: Hey, collaborators. I just wanted to say I appreciate any and all of you out there who have joined Andre and I on this journey and sharing just the lessons and the people we've met along the way. And it would mean the world to us if you would hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, and. More than anything, getting some feedback from any of you that are starting a business, if you have a business and you have questions or needs or a specialty you want to share, you can reach out to us on our website at thecolablife.com and our Instagram handle as well, The Colab Life. You can also find us on Facebook or YouTube at The Colab. And you can email us at hello at thecolablife.com. Thanks again for joining us and stay tuned next week.